Today, Sega Talk is strapping on our detective outfit and dropping deep into Metro City where we will wield our melee weapons against the homeless. As we check out the history of Monolith Software and their underrated game, Condemned Criminal Origins. Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what? Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode 121. I'm the lead chief detective, George, and with me, like always, is my deputy detective barry you didn't like what's up that? you didn't like that <laughs> i love it is there even a such thing as a deputy detective uh yeah there are it's a it's okay. a thing it's a thing well that's good um, it is a thing so this is like a game that i actually picked this week usually we do patreon picks but this time i got to pick my own game and I didn't know what to pick. I, I waited almost to like the last minute and I was like, what should I pick? All these games. And I'm like, I'll pick a newer game. I don't, I don't think we've talked to like Xbox 360 and above era in like a while. So I was like, I Not think too we much. Need yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, we, I need to talk about one of them. And I was just clicking on random pages on Sega Retro, which is pretty cool because you, you can see random Sega articles. And uh, Condemned came up, and I'm like, I love this game when it came out, so we should totally talk about it. So that's why we're talking about Condemned. But, Barry, can you plug our Patreon? Uh, Yeah, so we are on Patreon. You can support us at multiple tiers. We have our lowest one, which will get you the audio format uh, a week in advance. And then once you go up, you start getting the video a week in advance. You also get to pick episodes and tell us what to cover and uh yeah so it's it's a lot of fun and we've been dropping some exclusive content there too so please drop us a buck a buck a month and we'll keep this show going otherwise we're uh, we're gonna it's it's over this is the last episode actually and then we're gonna pull all the episodes just like uh hbo max does and uh, that's it disney plus disney plus does that too now like you can't watch willow Who wanted to watch Willow, but now you can't. Now I, I want to watch it, but I can't. All right. So Condemned Criminal Origins, or also known as Condemned in uh, lesser countries, specifically Europe and Australia, is a first-person psychological thriller paired with survival horror and action elements, released exclusively for the Xbox 360 and Windows PC. I'm pretty sure this game is backwards compatible on both uh, Xbox One and Series. Uh, mm-hmm. That's so weird because like they have two different models of it. You know, like when you talk about the PlayStation Five, it's like the digital version of the PlayStation Five is just the PlayStation Five, and so you just say PlayStation Five. Right. But a- Xbox right. now, yeah, the I'm naming's like, a little odd. Yeah, I'm like, I just call it the Series then. Um, and the game is actually a launch title for the Xbox 360 in North America. And in my opinion, it's probably the best the system had. Um, yep, you could say the game was criminally underrated. Um, cr- you know, that's why it's called Criminal's Origins. I think they knew it ahead of time. So, uh, 
So, Barry, what's your history with Condemned? Do you remember the marketing and it being released? Um, well, I really liked the the re-release, uh, Condemned Criminal Origins Plus, where they added Amy Rose. Oh, yeah. I thought I that was really that. cool. Um, her, her death scene was pretty tragic, but it was cool. Uh, no, um, I, I remember when this game came out, I remember uh, being really confused by it, because, you know, at the time I didn't really know who was making this at Sega. It seemed like such an odd title for them to put their name to. Um, it still stands out from a lot of their catalog, but then when you know that they, they published this and it wasn't developed in-house, then you start to kind of realize a little bit more about, uh, you know, the whole behind the scenes of it. Um, but yeah, I, I picked up both this and the sequel, um, not too long ago. I actually have the, uh, Platinum Hits version of it in a Wii box for some reason. Oh um, yeah, in a Wii box. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks to, uh, nice GameStop? though. Platinum Hits on a, in a Wii box looks nice. It's usually in a silver case, right? I think so. Someone probably swapped it out. They probably wanted that silver case. So... Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's got the booklet in it and everything, so it's um, you know, yeah. And I actually I didn't play it all that much, but um, I did play it for about four hours uh, to prep for this episode, and it's it's a creepy game. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, it's definitely I would say interesting. It's not like your average first person sh- uh, first person games back in the day where everybody wanted to be like a Call of Duty clone. It had its own different and original vibe. Um, so before we get into the game development, I did say that it wasn't United States launch title for the Xbox 360. So let's look at uh, the other Microsoft launch games and we could talk about what you think was good, what you played that, that, that launched for the uh, Xbox 360. So the first game we have here is Amped 3. <laughs> I, I never played that game, but I don't know if it's any good. Call of Duty 2, which another first-person shooter. Um, it's interesting that like this game came out at the same time as Call of Duty 2 because I'm pretty sure that the franchise was popular when it was like Modern Warfare 2, so like Call of Duty 2 feels like almost a retro title in, in a way that we're talking about it. Um, obviously, Condemned Criminal Origins. Gun... Did you ever play that game, Gun? Gun? Uh, I heard about it, but I've never played it. Who who developed it? Uh, it says right here, Neversoft. Uh, Activision, but Neversoft made it. The guys that did Tony Hawk. Um, oh, I do, okay. It was like a Western game. I thought it was pretty cool. I was I really like cowboy games, so I usually try to play any cowboy games that come out, like, you know, Sunset Riders, you know, Gunsmoke mm-hmm. on the NES. So, um Oh, Cameo, Elements of Power, uh, the rare game. I actually beat this game. Um, it's a, it's not the, it's one of those games where you're like, it's not the most perfect game in the world, but it's fun to play. You have different elemental powers from like different animals that you could turn into. It's like a, it's just a rare uh, platformer, but it's not their best. NFL, mm-hmm. NFL 06 or Madden NFL 06, obviously amazing. NBA, NBA, Live 06, you know, all the sports games. Who cares? Yeah. Um, NHL 2K6. 
Oh, remember this game? Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. What a <laughs> I title. Remember the title. Yeah. Yeah, what a title, dude. I remember people being hyped for this game for some reason. I don't know why, but people were hyped about it for that game. <laughs> uh, Project Gotham Racing 3. Um, Quake 4, which is kind of weird. I feel like the franchise kind of peaked at 3, and 4 kind of went under the radar. Um, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 06. Tiger Woods, obviously a very... Uh, he, he, like, banged a bunch of prostitutes, didn't he? Like, isn't that he what did. he's known for now? Yeah. That's, that's the, the game. game. Yeah. That's the game. Uh, the story mode is sick on that one. Um, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. I think that's the one where they, like, just had Bam from uh, Jackass in it, and they tried to be, like, super more extreme. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are fans about it and have nostalgia for the for this game. So I would say Condemned Criminal Origins is probably a pretty unique title when it comes to all these. Like, come on, it's better than Peter Jackson's King Kong. I, I would say maybe the only one that would give it, like, some, like, fight for fa- from fans is Cameo. But even, I think, Rare fans would say that's a weak game in their discography mm. of uh, Rare. So, I think I still stand by the fact that that's the best one. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, look, Peter Jackson looks like the, the game got pretty good reviews, actually. Did it? Really? Because uh, I remember people being super, like, mad yeah, about Yeah, no, it. It, it got between eight and nine. Lots of eights and nines. I never, I've actually never played it. Uh, I did watch the movie, and weren't people disappointed with the movie? Uh, the movie's fine. It's just very long. I love the first part, the first half on... Uh, what is it, Dinosaur Island or where Skull Island, yeah. where he lives? Yeah. Um, I think people were disappointed with the movie because, I mean, I think after you make a movie like Lord of the Rings, people just expect too much out of you. It's like if it's like if George Lucas was going to make another movie and he's like, this is going to be like, Star-. everyone's like, you made Star Wars, the original trilogy. Yeah, this this better be that high. And, you know. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it's hard to do that. Um so let's talk a little bit about the history of Monolith Productions. I actually played some of their games before this, and that was the reason I was actually kind of hype for Sega and them teaming up together. Um, so Monolith Productions was founded back in October 25th, 1994, as a Washington developer based out of Kirkland. And we're not talking about the very high-tier Costco <laughs> brand. We're talking about the city. Ten years after its founding in uh, in 2004, Monolith got bought out by Warner Brothers Games. But let's talk about some of the early titles. So uh, their first game was Blood uh, in 1997. Um, so they early on they were mostly known for their PC games. Uh, Blood was basically a, a very creative title in the time, even though it was a Doom clone. Really, uh, the game follows the story of Kalib, an undead early 20th century gunslinger seeking revenge against a dark god. The game mm. even had a semi-popular shareware version of the game, just like Doom, um, the, and actually got a lot of positive reviews based on its game uh, game design. And uh, I think, I mean, if you look at the gameplay, right, if you're looking at the video version of it, you can see the gameplay. It's basically Doom with its own it has puzzles, it has its own unique weapons, but it still looks like Doom. I think it was actually made on an engine that was made on a Doom clone. So 
Do you remember the era of Doom clones? And did you play Blood or any other Doom-like games at the time? Um, I played uh, Star Wars Dark Forces a lot. Still one of my favorite uh, Doom clones, I guess. I also played uh, Wolfenstein 3D a lot. So those two were were up there. And I actually was... I think I was not Wolfenstein really... is like the first one, right? The original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's why I wasn't really aware of Doom. Like, I knew of it, but I'm like, oh, why, why do I need to play that? I have Wolfenstein. <laughs> so, um, uh, But yeah, looking at this, it looks cool. I like throwing uh, TNT. I think that's pretty sweet. Um, there's also like this fire element when they get on fire. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I will say that um, I played Duke Nukem, um, and there's like this... <laughs> And there's this new game that just came out called Bolt Gun, a Warhammer game. That's uh, it, it was funny because it's I'm I've been playing it lately. It's really really good. Um, but it's funny how they market it as it, they call this genre not a Doom clone. They call it Boomer Shooters. Boomer so, Shooter. Uh, yeah, because uh, I guess we're boomers now. Um, the next game they followed it up with was a game called Claw. Um, the same year it was released, features an anima- anamorphic cat pirate, so it's basically a furry game, on the quest for an ancient amulet. The game is a 2D side-scroller that is, oddly enough, I think would actually be right at home on the Sega Saturn, because it just reminds me when you look at it of a Sega Saturn game. Uh, the game features... Some very low-budget cartoon cutscenes, not-so-great voice acting. I mean, of course, this is a a 90s game, which is part of the course. Uh, uh, So, do you think this could be, like, right up there on the Sega Saturn if we made a clone? I mean, a port of it, like, next to, like, Clockwork Knights? Because that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, I could see that working out. Um, I'm actually surprised a lot of these haven't seen, like releases to like Sega CD they just feel like Sega CD games right right that's what I'm saying it's like I'm surprised that like how many Doom ports did we get back in the day like on the Sega's consoles there was like the Genesis did Genesis have one or was it Super Nintendo that had one I know the 32X Um, had one right 32X had one uh I don't think Genesis did no then there was no portable so not that many actually Dark Forces wasn't on any Sega console um, right. It was really PlayStation where you get a lot of that stuff. So the, the, the game after this is actually the first game I played of Monolith Soft. It was a game called Shogu Mobile Armor Division. And this game... Uh, so we won't be talking and seeing every single game that they released. In 1998, they followed it up with Get Medieval, a top-down shooter. Released a sequel to Blood called Blood 2. And also released Shogo Mobile Armor Division, which I actually owned growing up uh, because it was it had like this anime aesthetic that I like. Right when I saw it, I had to have it, and it was practically being given away as a double pack uh, at WalMarts back in the day for PC. Like you would see it, and you know when they had a little PC section, they had this game and another game you could buy together for like right. I don't know, fifteen bucks or something. Uh, mm-hmm. The game. The game actually bombed for the studio. While retailers ordered 100,000 units on day one, it only sold 20,000 units in the holiday season. Uh, you can, And it's actually released on Steam, so you could actually buy this game for 10 bucks if you really wanted to try it out. Uh, did you ever see this game in uh, store shelves back in the day? Uh, and 
did what kind of animes did you watch back in the day during this time like early 2000s because it it was like the anime boom you would think that this game would be uh picking up legs right yeah right um no i've never seen this game before i think early 2000s i was probably mainly watching uh <laughs> dragon ball z um i did watch uh uh blue submarine number six which was like a short run like um dead leaves have you seen that no i haven't seen it dead leaves is good um it's like a weird prison breakout one it's like a movie i think it's not a it's not a series um what else was there i don't know if this was early 2000s but there was um that black and white uh what is that no it's not black and white it's um tekken concrete remember that one mm, yeah um yeah so yeah i'm an, I'm an anime aficionado oh yeah um i remember being like super obsessed with going to this like there was this asian food market that they used to have like this uh rental spot and they mm-hmm. would have the most like obscure ridiculous anime uh on vhs and well mostly back then i would just get the vhs because they were cheaper i think it was like a dollar to rent and mm. so it would be like a week you got it and uh my mom would always go there to get uh food so it would be easy for me to just go back and return them and i uh-huh. seen, i saw some of, some of the most effed up animes like from there like uh perfect blue i remember as a kid renting it and being like this looks really interesting and it was like <laughs> this psychological weird uh alfred hitchcock uh adult anime twisted drama um yeah so the next uh so the studio would continue to try new things including developing a tnn outdoors pro hunter sequel to keep money flowing in since they were so broke mm-hmm. um they uh they did grunts a low budget puzzle game as you could tell they were running out of money here um and then sanity atkins uh, artifact published by fox interactive sanity is actually an interesting game because it features an african-american lead which was really rare back in the day uh the the uh the character was called ancient nathaniel kane who was actually voiced by ice t Oh, the wow. game, the game was uh, the game actually used a 3D engine that was used to make Gauntlet Legend or Gauntlet, uh, but instead of weapons, the player uses psycho- uh, psychic abilities called talents. Uh, this game was also announced for uh, coming to the Sega Dreamcast, but the port actually got canceled and never released. Um, the, the game also had a really unique, uh, I guess um, you could say, like they did booster, they did a. Uh, expansion packs but they called it booster packs kind of like cards so they kind of had like a little card gimmick going for it um i know back in the day the sega magazines would show off hundreds of upcoming dreamcast games that never came out uh do you ever remember sanity being uh promoted because i don't remember it at all like i was shocked when i was going back through these games and i'm like uh what this game no i I don't remember this at all, but it looks very unique. I like the top-down perspective. It does very much feel like a Gauntlet Legends uh, game. Um, but yeah, I would have probably enjoyed this one had it come out. It looks pretty fun. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of sad. There were so many um, PC games that were supposed to come out for the Dreamcast that never really got a... Uh, release i remember the half-life blue shift and all that that finally came out i'm like man if this actually came out it would have been pretty uh 
pretty epic, but so this game is actually the one that got me into uh, into Monolith Software. Now we are getting to Monolith's peak in creating original IPs. In 2000, they would go on to make a first-person franchise called No One Lives Forever and its sequel, No One Lives Forever 2. I actually owned the sequel and used to play it all the time growing up, but I, I don't think I ever beat the full game, which it was, it was really hard. Uh, the game has you played as Kate Archer, no relations to Archer from the TV show, where uh -huh. you take up arms against an international criminal organization called Harm. Uh, the game incorporated stealth and action to get to get you to complete the missions. The best way to describe it is 007, but you play as a sexy female instead of a sexy man. Uh, the first game was actually uh, got a PS2 port, which I think is their first console version, like the first time being on a console. Hmm. The sequel was computer only, PC only. The sequel was universally acclaimed getting a 91 metacritic score in 2017 the original game and its sequels both got released fan patches where they fix a bunch of issues with it as free downloads called no one lives forever revival project hmm. uh did you ever hear about no one lives forever uh and i know i know you're a big Ch uh, big uh, james bond fan so i had to ask that's yeah no i've i have heard of it i never played it but i've always been interested in trying it out it has a more of an Austin Powers vibe to it too, where right, it's like swinging, right. swinging sixties female lead. Right, um, right. But it looks cool. It just sucks. I always hate when games do that, where it's like, oh, there's a console version and the sequel's on PC only. It's like, pff. yeah, it, um, it, it, this game would have been kind of interesting to have like a double packed sort of like Xbox release because I feel like the PS2 is a little too weak because you, I mean, for this type of game. Uh, I think the Xbox was like I'm surprised more PC games were imported to the Xbox. That's all. Like, it had some, but I, I think there's so many like this one that never actually got an Xbox release, uh, the original Xbox. But uh, mm. it is what it is. Um, and as for James Bond, he's all right. I mean, he had a couple of good movies. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of one good movie he made. I don't know. It'll lose me. I'm sure you can think of one, Barry. Get, name me one good movie that that. Uh, what's the one that that? Uh, who who do you think is the best James Bond actor? Well, Connery. All right, I actually agree with that. So I was gonna fight. They're all all the all the Connery ones are great. I mean, Goldfinger, You Only Live Twice, Doctor No. I mean, they're all good. They're all fun. <laughs> All right. I mean, oh, was, wasn't there? Uh, was it Daniel Craig? The, not, not Daniel Craig. Was the other guy that was in the nineties uh, the actor? Pierce uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, wasn't he kind of like pan for being too cheesy? Um, maybe in the later ones, but no. Goldeneye was fantastic, and then uh, I really liked um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, World is not enough. It was uh, Die Another Day. That was the cheesy one. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you like cheesy uh, James Bond, or do you th what do you think about the uh, Daniel Craig more like I guess down to earth, or at least they try to, but they made a movie about like saving water, so <laughs> that's pretty cheesy. Um, I think. No, I, I I like all the Daniel Craig movies. Um, Quantum of Solace is a little forgettable, but yeah, they're fun. They're all fun. If you don't I like think... fun, then what's your 
what's what's there to do, you know? Yeah, I, I would I would be okay if they like made a girl like right here uh, a James Bond. That'd be interesting, but they have to change it to uh, I don't know what a female version of James is. Uh, J- Jamie Bond. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Monolith would uh, <laughs> would then follow it up with the super popular Aliens vs. Predator 2 game. I actually have vivid memories of this game because I remember back when I was in the school, people would, like, they, we found out that all the computers were connecting, like, with LAN. So we mm. would sneak in and we would play this, we would play Alien vs. Predator 2 and Counter-Strike because they were kind of older games and the computers could run them. It was actually really fun times and I really, really like Aliens vs. Predator 2. I think it's a really good game. Sadly, the studio would hit a funk following the game releasing Tron 2.0, Contract Jack, which uh, both got really badly bad ratings. Uh, Tron 2.0 did get an Xbox and Game Boy Advance release, though. Uh, did you ever play Tron 2.0? And what do you think about the uh, franchise making a mini comeback? In well, actually, it was in 2010 that the movie came out. Yeah, so. Well, Tron 2.0, was that a tie-in with the movie, or it was just, it was kind of like revival before they did a sequel, right? Well, it came out in like 2003 or 4, maybe 5, so it didn't have Uh anything to do with the movie, I I don't think. I think, well, not the new movie, Resurrection, but I think it had to do with the uh, original, like, it's supposed to be the video game sequel to the, the original movie. Yeah. Right, exactly. I always found that odd when that would happen. Like a, a, a franchise would get a video game revival, but then they do a proper like movie sequel just like right. five or six years later. And then in time you get a little confused. Like, didn't the the Neutron movie get a sequel? No, but it, it's, it was... I, I've never been a huge fan of the franchise. Like, it's cool and all, but like it kind of just kind of, for me, works as the first movie. And after that, I don't know why they need to keep making it like thing <laughs> you know it's not i don't know i don't think it's a very strong franchise i think it's weird that they have a whole light cycle ride at uh epcot now oh yeah um i mean that's cool that's probably the best part of it but what's the yeah, first one that popular like like they're pretending like some some people are pretending it's like star wars i mean if you're getting your own ride no. it's not that big right it wasn't it wasn't that popular when it came out i don't think so um does the Matrix but, have, a, have, have a ride? Well, it depends. I mean, I don't know who owns... Warner Brothers owns Matrix, right? right? So they would right. have... They don't really have a theme park, do they? No, they'd probably license it out. Don't they have Six um, Flags? They should have a Matrix uh, coaster, right? Uh, so Tron had a budget of $17 million and it made $50 million at the box office. So, nah, the Resurrection really or the big, first... Oh, the first one? The first one, Yeah. I guess maybe Tron up. Like, you're thinking of Tron Uprising, right? No, that's the animated series. Resurrection, um, I think it's called, right? And then Legacy was the Legacy. sequel. That's right. That's right. And that was a 170 million budget, and then a 400 million box office. So, whoa, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and but I don't think. Considered. I don't. If the Matrix did have a theme park ride, what would it be? It would be like. You jacking into a VR game? Oh, uh, like sim- there's a 3D motion simulator nah. um, at Universal Studios, but uh, is it still around? Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. Well, talking about the Matrix, 
Uh, mm-hmm. After all this, we get our first partnership with Sega. Sadly, it wasn't well received as we would have wanted. Monolith de- developed a co-published Sega and Warner Brothers The Matrix Online. This MMO was actually questioned since it was coming out after the badly received Matrix sequels. And not only that, a lot of people in the industry felt that MMO there was too many MMOs in the market, so oversaturated. Um, Sega wasn't the first uh, publisher that Warner Brothers worked with. It was actually supposed to be Ubisoft who backed out of the deal. The game was hyped for Matrix fans because it was supposed to continue the Matrix storyline and was directed by the Wachinskis. Um, the MMO would go on to close in 2009 due to low subscription num- uh, numbers. The MMO would, uh, would feature the story of Morpheus dying, which stayed canon even in the 2021 Matrix film, The Matrix Resurrection. Mm. Uh, do you remember Sega announcing this MMO and Warner Brothers and the hype surrounding it? Uh, I, I remember the MMO, but I think I get it confused with the Matrix video game, which released around the time of the movies, where it um, it was kind of like controversial. Like it was controversial, Matrix. yeah, because Enter the Matrix contained plot elements from the movies, and it was like you'd watch the movies, and then characters would be introduced but hardly be in it, and people were like, oh, they're in the video game, and I'm like... I'm not. I want to watch the movie. I don't want to right. play a video game for vital plot points. And I mean, no one's ever done that before. I don't think where they developed a movie and intentionally cut content to make sure that a video game had like exclusive storylines. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the the MMO. I remember it, but I never played it. And obviously, I didn't. It was a very short window of time to even play right. it. Four years. And, so. Yeah, and then you had to buy a you know, subscription, and the gameplay wasn't really action. It was it's an MMO, um, mm. so I didn't play it either. Uh, I was actually kind of disappointed because Sega made this big old thing like, guys, we have a huge announcement coming up, and they hyped like all the community. I remember this, and I remember uh, everyone literally was like, oh guys, it's Shimu Three, finally we're getting <laughs> Shimu Three because like it. If you really think about it, 2005, it wasn't really that long of a time period since 2 came out. So it would make sense that, like, oh, okay, we're going to finish the saga finally. Let's go. And then they're like, we're doing, we're we're publishing the Matrix MMO. And everybody's like, oh, cool, a cashing trash game or whatever. Trying to, you know, get people's $15. And And most people that were Sega fans at the time were more interested in, like, a fantasy star online game or something, right? Or a sequel to it. So, definitely not... I don't think there's too much of a crossover between Sega fans, hardcore Sega fans, and people that want to play The Matrix online. So, uh, Right. And uh, what's your hot take on The Matrix sequels? Um, I, I think the second movie actually has some really great action sequences. It's not like... It's it's an all right movie on its own, but I think the action stuff's really cool. Uh, same with the third one. I mean, honestly, I I revisited them when the the fourth one was coming out. I picked up the 4K release, and they look good, and they're they're fun. So you know, I I would say I agree with you. I I, I think it, the third one. You know when you when you see like Terminator Two, and you're like, wow, it still looks really good because they like. They knew what they could get away with in that movie. I think the third one kind right. of goes way over the top where they're like, 
we're gonna do something that no one's ever thought of like make all these clones and all fully cgi and it kind of made it age bad just because they aim so high i think sometimes you have to, like i think the first movie still has a couple of scenes where you're like okay that's a little you know the cgi didn't work well yes but right. overall, the movie I still think holds up the first one, and I think aiming so high for the third one made it uh, come off a little bit like oh dated CGI. Um, the new one, I I, I I was disappointed. The action sequence were not as good as the original, so I was a little disappointed there. Where like it didn't live up in the action sequence. The story could be garbage. I don't care as long as the action sequences were uh, as good as the right. first three. I would be like, it's cool. I don't care about the story. There was some kick-ass action. I'm happy, but it didn't yeah. have that. It was kind of sad about that. Like they had like these superpowers that just like just throw people. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, yeah, those are my takes on that. Um, so right before uh, the same year that they released uh, Condemned, uh, Monolith would go on to make their first big in-house brand that I think is their most popular title, Fear, a first-person shooter, psychological horror video game. I see now where we're going here. Uh, <laughs> for Windows, Xbox 360, and PS3, which would get two expansions and is famous for featuring, yes, you got this, a little girl with long hair covering her face. That's a ghost. <laughs> Similar to our last episode about the ring. Now we've come full circle. We have. Uh, did you ever play uh, Fear Games? No, but I'm I'm well aware of them. I'm I'm just didn't make the connection that it was Monolith and Matrix and uh, Condemned. So that's fitting, though. That's cool. Good yeah. for them. Um, one one thing that I uh, I really liked about the Fear Games is the AI was a little like people would always say like like the, the AI would actually try to react to you. So like if there was a like. Uh, obstacle like a table they would grab the table flip it over and then try to shoot you behind it and try to mm. flank you so they weren't just like running up to you getting shot like in call of duty so, like some of the old call of duty games like they just feel like they would just run up to you and then you shot them right um, so it, it felt like they were actually thinking in the game um at this point you could see that uh, Marlin has created quite a few underrated games that aren't really talked about much anymore definitely not on IGN's 100 best games of all times list uh, do you feel that the studio has gone under radar uh, all these years so far I think their last big game was that uh, that Lord of the Rings that Middle Earth the Shadow of Mordor where they had the uh, where I don't know if you remember it but they had like a mechanic where if you get killed by the bat the orcs they would get yeah. promoted, and and then they would have like they would. Be, hey, I remember you, Ranger. I killed you back in this whatever. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing I, about that. Yeah, I, I feel like they've always been innovative, but they never really broke through with like a really huge game that put them on the map. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so right. there's all these like games on their on their gameography. You go through there, and you're like, oh, this one, that one, but nothing like stands out where you go, oh, that's Halo. You know, that's their Halo. Right. Um, right. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it at least they're they kind of have a feel to their games. Like it's, right. uh, you know, like gritty first person shooter, um, com like AI mechanics. Like they they have clever things that they've and going all the way back to Blood. You know, like with right. the um, fire. Uh, right. So it, it seems like they're always throwing in little innovations, which is why I think them working with Sega actually fits. 
Pesegos has always been doing innovations, and Sega's never really worked in first-person shooters, so it, it makes sense. Honestly, I'm surprised Sega didn't buy them outright. Well, they're owned, um, they're owned by Warner Brothers by the time Sega and them started working together. So it, right, it, it, but I, I feel like I feel like they would want to own it. Wouldn't you know what I mean? Like it just right. seems like this would f- nowadays. I feel like this is a purchase they'd make, and you go, oh, now they got first-person shooters. But oh well, didn't work out. They, but I, I do. I did play uh, Shadow of Mordor, and I actually enjoyed it. But it was one of those games where like. They made the game so long that by the time you beat it, you're like, I don't want to play the expansions. Like, I played so much of this game, I had enough. You know, right. there's some games that are so long, and you're like, it was fun, but it's just that repeated over and over again. I'm good. Let's move on. Um, so, uh, Sega and Monolith Productions would announce the game all the way back in February 2005 for PC, and at the time, uh, yet to be named Next Generation Console. From the start, Sega promoted this upcoming game as a true gener- next-generation experience with, at the time, VP of, of Entertainment Marketing Scott A. Steinberg saying mm. during the game's announcement that it would offer consumers the rich experience of a psychological thriller, something that has not been accomplished, accomplished on previous hardware platforms. Psychological thrillers are a big thing with movies, but not so much with video games. Do you have any favorite psychological games that would fit with this genre like that you've played in the past? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, when I was playing this, the first thing it brought to mind were um, the Saw games from, I think, Konami. Mm. Um, I, when, what was it, Spiral was coming out, I think, during the pandemic. Uh, it was like, when movie theaters just started opening back up and I was kind of on a saw kick. So uh, I was like, I might as well pick these up. I feel like these are games that are going to go up in price eventually, especially with the, the you know, an actual video game company developing them. And they're a lot of fun. They're actually very much, I think, like Condemned. Like there's, it, maybe Condemned is a little more first-person shootery, but the, uh, the saw games are a lot more puzzle, um, a lot more like, exploring your environment um they're actually very fun so yeah i feel like psychological thrillers are hard to translate to video games and it's kind of fitting that we're talking about this after our the ring episode because the ring is like how do you make that a video game (laughs) you know right right, um and they they clearly didn't know how to and and here with both condemned and talking about the saw games i feel like there is a way to make like a ring video game and they just were probably too early. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I wish I had played this game earlier cause I really appreciated like the gameplay and aesthetics. I thought it was cool. So, uh, I was actually, you said Konami's saw games. I was actually going to say Konami's, uh, Silent Hill games remind me of it. Uh, like the, it's a psychological game. Uh, the fog effects were pretty unique at the time. Even though they just did it because of the, it made it, the game run easier. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought those were pretty good. Uh, Alan Wake was pretty good, but that came out way after. So um, there's going to be an Alan Wake too. So that's pretty cool. It only took them like 30 years to do, but that's cool. That's cool. Um, right, right. The game would be written and designed by Frank Rook, uh, who said films such as 1990's Jacob's Ladder, The Silence of the Lambs, Seven. 28 Days Later, Saw, 
and the TV show X-Files were the all main influences at the game's ad- atmosphere and aesthetics. Uh, as you said, Saw reminded you of this, so it would make sense. Um, yeah. See- seeing the game, do you think they nailed their influences? Also, which of these properties are you a fan of? I'm going to assume Saw right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely thought they nailed the influence. Um Saw definitely has that like saturated sort of aesthetic. Everything's like either brown or green. Matrix did that too, but I think Saw really pushed it. Um, they also it it does a lot of stuff that you'd see in the House of the Dead, which I think mm. probably um, picked up from Seven, where it's like just really like scratchy sort of text and and very gritty cuts. Uh, right. Like the film itself feels like it's been dragged through the mud and it's just kind of dirty. Um, so yeah, but I mean, of those, I've never seen Jacob's Ladder, I've never Silence of the Lambs. I've seen, but I'm not like a fan of. You know what I mean? Like who who goes? Oh, I love that movie. It's so cool. I've got a poster. Like weirdos. Um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I, it's it's weird right. that Silence of the Lambs is because well, it was based on a book, right? And there's multiple books about it, but. It's become right. kind of a film franchise. Mm, like that's there's true. movies, there's TV shows. It's so it's weird that it has probably uh, I don't know. I I wonder what has more movies, Saw or that. I think probably Saw. But uh, Saw because they're doing a tenth one. Um, oh, they are. I didn't know that. Saw X. It's supposed to be really good. I don't know. Uh, Seven. I really enjoyed. Twenty Eight Days Later released when I was uh, I believe working at a movie theater. So I saw that. that was I good think movie. like before the public because we got to see things early and that was yeah seeing a movie made i think on like mini dv or something was really bizarre in the theater i don't know if you saw it in the theater but to see these footage on the big screen that was basically filmed with like a video camera you'd have at home was it was kind of unsettling in a good way uh and then x-files huge fan of um I wish there were more X-Files video games. Like, I think there's a PlayStation 1, one that's like FMV, and then there might be something else, like one other one, but they really have not gone all out. So, yeah, th- this game definitely scratches that itch of like an X-Files episode. I really like that. Yeah, that's true. I would agree with that. Uh, I would say the Saw, um, when I first saw the first movie with the twist and all that in the end, I thought they did a really good job with the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I did not expect it. It was one of those movies where you turn it on, you're like, all right, it's one of those horror movies, but it's really more like a thriller, really. Like, because you're trying to solve this puzzle, right? And then all of a sudden, right. well, I mean, the, the literal bad guy is, you know, the jigsaw, right? They kind of right. they use that motif so well in those films that I, my mind was blown by the end. Um, so definitely yeah. a very great, unique film, the first one. And those those movies get a bad rap because the people lump it in with torture porn, which is more the hostile movies, which this one, it's you want the characters to get away. You know, you're not like they're like <laughs> getting off on watching this terrible stuff happen. But what I really appreciate is that they were filming them yearly. So it was almost like a TV series because it had ongoing plot points like every October. And I think they did this from one of the trailers. So like when it's... Uh, Halloween, it must be time for Saw. And it was like, just kind of fun. Like every October you get to a new episode, basically. It felt like you were watching a long TV show. Um, Some, I mean, obviously the twists always became kind of like a thing that people would expect to happen. But 
I love the um, the twist where the movie, the events of the movie already happened, and the police investigating. You know what I mean? I, right, I don't know right, which right. one it was, but that was like a really cool twist, where like everything already happened and they weren't aware of that. And then the other one was, um, I think it's the third or fourth movie. It turns out it's still taking place during the events of the first movie, mm-hmm. and so I really like how they play with time. Um, and how you can go like four or five years later and it turns out the movie like is still taking place during the first one. Like it's just fun, fun little, you know, like surprising elements like that, uh, that I really appreciate. So I, I don't know if people have never watched them, I'd say give it a watch at least the first like three or four. Um, but yeah. And if you don't like, and if you don't like cops, you know, then you'll definitely like, um, Spiral. (laughs) <laughs> that, right, right, right. <laughs> I would say, um, I would say, give uh, the first, at least the first one, a chance because I, I thought that the first one, like, as just a standalone film, which I think at the time, since it was so low budget, was probably just thought of as a standalone film. I don't know if they yeah. ever had the whole idea of making it a yearly thing, but it stands. I think it stands as itself as a good movie enough to. And if you like it, there's more. <laughs> there's definitely more. Oh, and I'd say also uh, the Cube movies. Have you seen those? Cube, Cube 2. I have not. Uh, Cube Zero. They are kind of like uh, Saw to the Extreme, but they're also a little gritty like Condemned is, where it's all these people who wake up inside a room that has a door on every a square room, and there's a door on every side, but each door leads to a different uh, exact, exact same room, but there might be a trap. And it's a giant Rubik's cube that they're all trapped in. Um, it's really trippy, but it's a uh, it's a good series of movies. I think there's three of them. Mm. Well, I've yeah. never seen it. I'll, I'll probably give them a try. I've been trying to check get it out to horror movies since last. You'd time like I Cube. I think you'd like Cube. So uh, during the plan- planning stages, the team went on to study serial killers, uh, their motive, their motivations, and to better understand them for the game's story. They also uh, based the in-game city of Metro on Seattle. So Monolith hired su- surveyors to go and search out abandoned building, abandoned and condemned buildings, warehouses, and neglect- neglected areas of the city for the game settings, which I think it's funny because this is back in 2005. I think now you don't really have to, like, get professionals to, like, find buildings that are condemned anymore. You can just, like, go across the street from your... Like, there's so many abandoned buildings now, and should have been in Detroit. I feel like Detroit has more abandoned buildings than anywhere in America, probably. Right, right. But um, Condemned actually has a quite a really nice bonus unlockable. The original game uh, th- that they were working on before they changed it uh, is unlocked in the game. Uh, it's hmm. The game was supposed to be called The Dark. And was different from the game we got in a few ways, not that big of a ways, but uh, the lead protagonist was supposed to be called Agent Cross. Uh, and the game follows a, a government-sanctioned investigation rather than the lead character acting as rogue on the run from the cops. Um, we, di- we didn't get into the story yet, but the main character in this game, in the actual game, is called Thomas, not Cross. Uh, hmm. And in Condemned has instinctual abilities and so does agent cross but in this game he can also use magical spells like 
disarming combatants and breaking obstacles with his mind. So obviously they had to change it because they wanted more gritty combat where you're swinging and barely surviving. Um, what is a better name for these games? Condemned or The Dark? Uh, what do you think about the idea of magical abilities? Um, first, I think Condemned is a better name. And honestly, I wish they dropped Criminal Origins. I like the, uh, I think the European name for the game, which is just wow. Condemned. Okay. Uh, the Dark, I think, is kind of lame because it reminds me of Perfect Dark. Right. You know, or Dark Man. Like, it's just, it's a little too... Generic. Samey. Yeah, generic. Um, Magical Abilities I actually think is kind of cool. Uh, a show I was watching a couple years ago was uh, Millennium, which is from... It takes place in the X-Files universe, but it's about a... I think he's a criminal profiler um, for the FBI who has, like, light uh, um, uh, ESP. He can, like, read people's minds or emotions or something. Um but yeah, so I, I think that's kind of cool where it's like an investigator, a main character has like kind of a cool ability like that. Maybe not like Harry Potter magic, but you know. Right. I, I think the idea of like disarming and using this like magic that that way is too much for this game. It would make it like yeah. Yeah. totally different gameplay wise, so no. So let's talk a little bit about the game's story. Um, the game sets the protagonist, CSU agent Ethan Thomas, arriving at the scene of a murder. He and his fellow officers enter an abandoned building that is surrounded by psychopaths and criminals. They're really oh, just no. homeless people, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> how many, how many, uh, how many times have you went to an abandoned building that's just filled with psychopaths and criminals? Like, just, like, they just all hang out there. Uh, daily? Like, daily, I would say. I was going to say the same yeah. thing. Uh, the crime scene they investigate is of a young woman. She is on the floor with strangulation wounds, sitting across the table from Mel Mannequin. Ethan, along with his colleagues, agree that the murder was most likely committed by the matchmaker, a serial killer that Ethan has been investigating. After the, they collect evidence from the scene... One of the officers smells cigarette smoke. Believing that the smoke is coming from their suspect, they decide to split up and go after him. While searching for the suspect, Ethan tries to restore the power from an electrical box. Such a video game plot, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, the light's out. Go get it, Ethan. You're our lead investigator. We need you to investigate this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this electrical box. Due to right. the elect electrical search, Ethan is shocked and drops to the floor, causing his weapon to be thrown from his hand. Oh, my. A man hiding in the shadow takes it and flees. Ethan manages to chase the man into a small dead-end room where he the man holds Ethan at gunpoint and tells him they have similar goals. Ethan's colleagues enter the room and tell the man to drop his weapon and are promptly shot by the man with Ethan's gun who then okay. shoves Ethan out the window onto the street. And I'm not going to go through all the story, but basically this is why he becomes on the run and he's trying to get serial killer X, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. in, so obviously the story is uh, very typical. I would say like I could see it being a movie. Um, so some of our characters we have here is uh, I have even have a picture of Ethan here, so we could look at him uh, from his uh, 
Criminal Origins original game, which is like a a bald dude, like just a you know bus cut dude with a gun, not very unique. He's the guy that's uh, framed for the deaths of two police officers. Ethan has psychic uh, connections to serial killers, such as the matchmaker. He is responsible for shooting uh, serial killer X, depending on the uh, what the player... Oh, man, that's spoilery. His allies are Rosa Angel and Malcolm Van Horn. And like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to go through all the characters, but I don't think we, sh- we, we really have to because it's like the girl that talks to you on the phone, your boss... <laughs> Right. Right. So it's like we the cast is not really as important as Ethan. He's literally the main character of the game. And uh, something interesting about the game, they replaced the voice actor of Ethan with a famous Hollywood actor for the sequel. What do you think about that when they when companies do that? Like, I hate is, it. Is that a good? Um, yeah, I hate it too. I, I like when they do the opposite. Actually, when like the first movie is like a really well known actor, and then the sequel. They like bring in an established voice actor, but they tell them, "Oh, you got to sound like the guy we didn't hire." <laughs> oh, like, actually, oh, I, I, actually, I think I might be. I, I, it might be that actually. Now that I look at the thing, he, oh really? Voice, yeah, I think it's the opposite. It's the guy that did Heroes. The guy was in Heroes in the first game. Of the second, it's with some other guy I never heard of. So I think you might oh. be. You might be right on this one. They hired an actual video game voice actor to replace him. It's uh, Greg Grun- Grunberg. The guy that's oh. the, the guy that plays the cop in Heroes. Well, he's um, really good. He's childhood friends with J.J. Abrams, and he's in all his movies. So oh. he was in uh, The Force Awakens and uh, Rise of Skywalker as an X-wing pilot. He kind of he kind of looks like an Ethan. I mean, he was a cop in the in the thing. So I guess he I guess being Ethan Thomas kind of makes sense, right? Like if you look at mm-hmm. his uh, IMBD, IMDb page. It's literally him as a, as a cop, as the pro, like with the first picture of him. So, right. So um, that's interesting. Um, graphics and gameplay. I do have some gameplay footage playing in the background. I didn't put the link on there, but you played the game, so you you know what's what it is. Um, one of the main differences of this game is its melee combat, which was considered at the time refreshing. Refreshing. Since all games wanted to use first-person shooting mechanics that have been popular due to Halo, Call of Duty, Battlefield, and even Monolith's own fear. Uh, The studio wanted to try something new, with Rook saying they wanted to miss around, find a game mechanic that could be considered new, or at least tweaked a little bit to be fresh. They They would go on to describe the melee combat as a raw street fighting where the player must do whatever to survive. They would go on to say, we didn't miss it up with a bunch of combos. It's just raw, primal kind of fighting that you would expect in the setting. And uh, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that the game could have actually done better if they had, like, unlockable combos where it'd be like AAX? Like, not super, like, <laughs> not not like Street Fighter, right? Where you're like, hold back, and then you charge up, and then, you, like, literally just like AAX or XAA. Like, do you think that would make the game have a little more, I don't know, evolution in, in, as you advance through the, the game? Like, they just said they did it because it's raw. Yeah, no, I, I kind of liked how they did it in Sonic Frontiers, 
where you'd unlock combos, but you had the option to have auto combos happen, so you didn't have to think about it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that might have been a nice compromise, where it's like, you can unlock something, and then if you want to turn a mode on, you can, but you don't have to. Um, Yeah. Maybe I would say, because I feel like one thing that I, that the game kind of uh, talked to you more about the ending is that, like, they say, oh, okay, so one thing a lot of people I remember getting mad is how strong the gun was. So in the beginning, mm. you uh, um, you get a gun, and you can shoot people, but you can't reload the gun. And people are like, this guy's a cop. He can't reload guns, so he just throws them away. So it's like he has two shots. And then so they're, they're, they were trying to limit you using guns. But then the sequel definitely uh, goes way overboard on it. Like you have way more guns and way, and it goes crazy. So I, I do. Uh, we'll talk about their planning for sequels and stuff in a little bit. But yeah, um, just like Fear, Condemn would feature a reactive AI with different hobos. I call them hobos. Uh, different psychopaths and killers. Uh, rate uh, having different ways. Uh, like someone would be super aggressive and hate you. Someone would flee and be scared of you. Someone would hide <laughs> and wait for you to pass by and then try to ambush you. So they try to give them their own like personality and the way they fight to kind of mm-hmm. make the game feel more alive. Um, graphically, the game uses a lot of advanced uh, t- techniques, which was actually pretty interesting. Like now you see the game, you're like, I've seen games like this. But this is from Xbox and PS2 and Dreamcast to the kind of lighting this game uses. So... To me, that's what actually blew my mind when I first played this game. It, uh, and it's, I think, the most impressive-looking tech-wise 360 launch game because it, it uses per-pixel lighting, volume, volumetric lighting, shaders, anti-aliasing, uh, normal mm. mapping, color mapping, uh, specular mapping, and shadow mapping, along with realistic physics. According to Monolith, there is absolutely no static lighting condemned. Static wow. lighting, uh, lighting places light sources in the in the world, and then calculates the shadows that corresponds with the light source. The shadows are then burned in onto the world and cannot be manipulated. So there's this, their shadows are real time. They were saying when they were uh, promoting this game. Outside of its melee combat, the game also features a forensics crime scenes investigation mode that uses context sensitive buttons which can be called upon uh, with tools to record evidence. Uh, so it's sort of like in uh, you, you get into an area and you can't leave the area until you get enough evidence to move on with the story. Uh, the mm-hmm. tools you use to a- get uh, evidence include a UV light, laser light, and spectrometer. Uh, sort of, I kind of actually wish the game used more of these crime scenes and like try to solve murders because it kind of goes into like one, two, I think there might be I think it might just be two, if I remember correctly. And then it just goes on. All right, go beat up these people with a with a with a hammer. Um, right. So I, I it, it kind of would remind me like hey, we were just talking before the we were recording uh, Phoenix Wright, but you uh, you're in abandoned buildings, gritty saw like <laughs> uh, serial killer investigations. Because right. I mean, that's actually my favorite part of. Uh, Phoenix Wright is solving the cases, right? Yeah, well, remember too with Snatcher, um, how there were light gun moments, but there are only like two or three of them, you right, know? So right. it's like they promote something and 
you actually you kick condemned off with the crime scene investigation. I was getting really pumped. I was like, oh, this is like 3D Phoenix, right? This is fun. Right. And then hearing that now, it's like, oh, it doesn't happen all that much. It was cool, no. though. I liked it. Yeah, and uh, another game that kind of was like I thought was going to be like that was uh, Judgment, and it was just kind of like a Yakuza action game, which is cool. I love the game, I love the story, I love the characters, but uh, I thought maybe it would have more uh, investigations and like side missions that had more investigations, like Phoenix Wright, but it didn't mm-hmm. really happen as much. So um, let's talk about the canceled film. That's right. Um, Roner Brothers announced in October 2005 plans to make a condemned criminal origins film, which would take place in the same fictional universe of the game. Rather than being a direct adaptation, it would take the condemned universe and gradually expand on it with multiple video games and films. Mm. According to Jace Hall, former Monolith CEO and current vice president of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, they wanted to come up with something specifically designed to use multiple mediums to tell stories that had been has some continuity and connective 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 threads we -hmm. wanted to create a universe that like star wars was big enough where different stories could exist which is kind of weird because in 2000 i mean in 2005 i think they had uh star wars had the uh rogue what what the Mandalorian whatever they had those like CGI cartoons right and then they had the first episodes they had I oh, think the books and then the video games so I guess they did have multiple um I think no it was kind two, of I mean two thousand two thousand five it was Revenge of the Sith so they didn't even have the animated stuff they had the two um, D cartoons. They, they definitely had the uh, books, though. Like, the books were really popular. Yeah, but it, it's kind of a funny comparison to make. Like, a little uh, crime cop drama video right, game. And right, they're like, we're right. going to make Star Wars. I'm like, well, that's difference is gonna, there's, like, that's a, that's a there's beloved... Right yeah, well, there's, like, beloved characters and stuff. I don't see that from Condemned. Like, I enjoyed what I played, but not once was I like, oh, man, this guy, this character... Really doing right. it for me, you know. Right. And and it's funny because it's like chipping like uh, like you like they said Saul like Saul had multiple French like you said they had the video games, mm-hmm. and I I think fans would say they remember the movies and not really the video games as much. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they saw themselves this franchise as like Star Wars. That's kind of a weird one. And I don't even think Star Wars saw itself as Star Wars when it first came out. They were just like, we're going to make this movie and we'll see how it goes. And then it took off and became a phenomenon. And so now we have all this other stuff that came up, uh, came out. Right. I, don't, I don't think George Lucas was like, ah, yes, we, we will be Disney Plus and basically be the big show on Disney Plus. And all, I mean, you know what I mean? And like, uh, yeah, I mean, books. It- it was limited. It was like, I'll do a trilogy if this one works out, but I'll make the first one self-contained if it doesn't. Like, he had plans, but he definitely was not like books and comics and video games, you know. So, the film was said to be titled Species X, not even Condemned, instead of Condemned. Hmm. And Kurt Stutter, who created the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, was hired to uh, as the scriptwriter. And Basil uh, Iwanek... Iwanek, who did Sicario, The Town, John Wick franchise, and and David S. Goyer would be on board as executives. The story would be similar to the game with a police officer hunting down a serial killer 
But along the way, he discovers that the killer may be tied to other still open cases. As he discovers he, he has supernatural abilities, the cop questions his own nature, which he eventually discovers, get this, that he has alien, he, he, he is from alien origins <laughs> and gets dragged into a war between two alien races and must re, re, uh, must basically come to terms with his humanity uh, and his alien DNA. Wow. What do you think about the uh, <laughs> alien movie plot here? That's silly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I was like... Can you imagine having a Saw movie and then the guy, like, the main character, the, the Saw guy, you know, the main guy's like, Jigsaw? He's actually an alien, so he explains everything. Yeah, right. That's no, ridiculous. No. No. How about, how about we don't do that, right? Like, how about right. we just make a, uh, a good movie? I mean, like a grounded... But, I mean, I would say Condemned as a franchise is pretty weird. I just like the idea of a... a, a, a uh, I guess a gifted detective that has uh, supernatural abilities that he could uh, solve these crimes. But I think you should keep it a little grounded and not go with uh, aliens, actually, and you're fighting the war with aliens. That's a little too much. <laughs> yeah, um, that's ridiculous. Let's talk a little bit about pro the promotions for this game. Uh, uh, Sega and uh, Warner Brothers did a prequel story, a Flash game on their official site. It was a six-part online game that takes place before the events of the original condemned game criminal origins it was a point and click game which the player controls agent mallory uh must why she trucks down a serial called the bone cutter as the time of this writing the game's main site is down making the prequel st uh, story unavailable but obviously you could access it there's an access link in the wiki um mm. so I find the prequel stories as promotions kind of weird because, like, they could technically make a game out of it. I, I wonder if it works on here. I, oh, I don't have Flash, so no. Um, so basically, uh, my question is, what other Sega franchise had does, has done something similar? I do know Yakuza 1 had a short prequel film released. And right. uh, what's your opinion on making prequel uh, prequels part of the promotion for the game. Do you think it works? Like, you think fans will like somebody that doesn't know anything about Condemn would go on a website, play Condemn the prequel story, and then go, "All right, I guess I'll spend sixty bucks on the new one." Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a fun promotion to do. Um, if if you want to kind of get into the universe before playing the game, it's it's fun to have these like comics or interactive. Uh, you know, like games or uh, short films. The only problem is, is that they're often contradicted if it becomes a big franchise. Franchise, and they eventually do a um, actual origin. Uh, comes to mind is um, the X Men movie. Remember two thousand? What was it? One, two. Um, they had that X Men movie come out, and they did a series of one shot comic books uh, for Marvel, and it was like. Um, what happened to uh, Wolverine and like Magneto before the movie, and they were really fun and good. But then when uh, X Men Two came out, it was contradicted. <laughs> you oh. know, it's like, oops. Um, so, and and the Wolverine movie like overwrites the Wolverine prequel comic. So it's like it, it's kind of like a wasted effort sometimes because you, this team goes to all this effort, and then the original team's like, now nah, we're gonna make. 
are actually actual retelling. I also don't like that they often get. I, I mean, I think they always get stuck on you know like YouTube or a website that gets taken down. And it's never really retained on uh, physical media. Um, that's why I was actually very happy to see uh, what was it Sonic um, Sonic Mania adventures i think it was called right and they put those on sonic origins and i thought that's great because like it's very rare that we get animated sonic content that ties in with the games outside of youtube right uh so yeah i would say um i oh um the book that led to the release of the original uh not the original but uh star wars episode one the darth maul because I thought Darth Maul was a really cool character, never really got oh, time to shine. Oh, Shadow Hunter. Yes, yes. Um, I thought that was really cool because it kind of hyped him as a character as being an actual threat. Like, I think some of that stuff in that book should have been I, I mentioned in the movie, but um, but yeah, I those guess were all, fun. Yeah, and I guess all that is not canon anymore. I don't know how that works because they're bringing in on the Mandalorian lately. They've been bringing in characters where I'm like, wasn't that guy in the book? So now he's oh. Canon. It's it's not canon unless it's like directly referenced. So some of the stuff is you know loosey goosey. I mean, if if it my my take is is unless we've seen it retold, then and it still works, it still works. And um, another thing that annoys me is uh, so I I've been I just finished it like a couple weeks ago, but the Dark Tower series from Stephen King. They have, mm. like, all these stories of Roland, but, like, they're in a Marvel comic. So you have to read the Marvel comic. And I'm like, well, you write, Stephen King, you write books. <laughs> like, I already read so many pages of your book. And you're like, oh, yeah, if you want to fill in uh, this random spot in this book, read uh, this Marvel issue, these Marvel issues. I'm like, uh, I'm good. I'll read the synopsis right. on the wiki now. Um, <laughs> so let's look at uh, the... This uh, these couple of ads I have. Uh, the first one is a double page ad that Sega did for the game. Personally, I think they uh, they use like a lot of the pages is like used up. So it's a double page ad, but it's like ninety eight ninety five percent this like mannequin doll that's creepy. Yeah, with like some photos on the side, not even showing off all the graphics that they were talking about. All the all the next generation graphics that they're using. It's just like. It, this could be a saw poster. I don't know. It's just like a creepy poster, right? So th- I'm a little. Dis- I'm personally a little disappointed because you would think they would show off the graphics a little or something, but the lighting maybe. I don't know. What do you think about this? Yeah, it's just not doing it for me. These are pretty weak ads, to be honest. Like you know, sometimes simplicity works, but here the whole left side is a black page basically nothing Pretty much like it, it doesn't showcase the game play it doesn't and honestly these like mannequins with the missing faces they're weak like it's no i know what they're trying to do like with the saw movies it was like um unique ways to like show the numbers like saw 2 was like two fingers i think you know <laughs> like cut off fingers um but here it's just like oh what's condemned oh it's like mannequins with missing faces like it's just nah it, it's fr- weak the second one's the french ad which you said too but this one at, at least the french ad has the pictures uh, a little bit bigger 
in right. the uh, two-page ad. So that's weird, right? And it's the same mannequin. I wonder. If they, I wonder how many pictures they have of this mannequin that Sega's <laughs> yeah. marketing did. Because I'm sure they have like a hundred. Maybe Sega for uh, for uh, forever will post some of these. I don't know. Because it's like a Warner Brothers game too. So I wonder how that works. Because mm. they never re-released this game or the sequel. Like it never got like remasters or anything, which is kind of weird. But right. So let's talk about the ending of this episode, the future of the franchise. Well, we Ooh. talked about the canceled film. When it was announced, it was said that Monolith had planned out a storyline for additional games, which will con- w- which would have concluded with Condemned 4. Sadly, they didn't happen as the last game was Condemned 2, Bloodshots. And I think one of the directors came out and talked about, like, in 2017 or something, like... If fans really wanted Condemn 3 or whatever, that there was enough feedback or whatever that they would make another one. I personally don't see it because I don't think Sega would uh, care about this franchise anymore. I think they're already really focused on releasing Atlas's games with uh, Persona games. They just re- like they're making so much money off of Atlas. They're making so much money right. off of Total War. They're making so much money off of Yakuza or I mean, Like a Dragon. Sorry, guys. And uh, Sonic, and Sonic's been getting way more games. Like Frontiers has been one of the best-selling games in the franchise's history. They've mm-hmm. uh, they're making that new uh, Superstars. I think they're busy with their in-house brands doing well. So I don't think they'll be wanting to revisit this franchise. Sadly. Mm-hmm. And, and anything you want to add before we close the episode about Condemned? Um, not really. I, I enjoyed what I did play of it, and I'm probably going to jump back in and play a little bit more. Uh, how long is the game? I think it's like like five hours. It's not that long. It can't be longer than ten hours for sure. Let me That's look. good. But uh, my thing, uh, it gets a little crazy in the end. I think the start of the game is the best part of the game. Uh, I think it kind of falls apart in the end a little bit. The sequel definitely falls apart. So I would say give it a try. Uh, it's backwards compatible. Uh, it's very affordable. Good. And it's very, very – it says 12 and a half to 100% the game. So seven hours in length just to beat it. I would okay. say that's a good length for uh, – because, I mean, we're all busy people. We don't want a game that's trying to extend itself to be a 30-hour tw- right. master like, – I've noticed that, like, their other game, Shadow of Mordor, is like – 30 hours and i'm like should have been should have been 15 hours really or maybe 12 hours not not that long i noticed i noticed too the spine on my platinum copy doesn't have a title oh yeah i don't know what it is <laughs> is that look at that is that normal for planning games or is that like, i don't know maybe it's they goofed up with the printing but it's kind of funny like you to put it on your shelf you don't know what game it is but um yeah, it's ten to fifteen dollars on eBay. So like, it used to be it's, even cheaper back in the day. I mean, I don't want to be the back in the day guy, but it was like five bucks. Like it, it didn't do that well for right. Sega, I would assume. But yeah, yeah, very weird. Hmm. Any memories that you have? We have to read. Oh man, that's a good question. Well, we did we did come in late on this one, and I know it's kind of a obscure title. So let's see if we don't have memories. Uh, we don't have memories right. on this we, episode. We could uh, hype the next episode that we have? Yeah, so um, in two weeks we'll be coming back with a new episode. 
Uh, and it's a pick from me. Uh, so my personal pick, we're going to be covering a Sega Genesis game. It's going to be licensed because it's going to be tying in with a uh, movie releasing that week. We're going to be talking about Instruments of Chaos starring young Indiana Jones. And that's going to be a uh, fun discussion. And I'm going to try to get, hopefully, the developer to like give me some... Uh, Juicy tidbits if I can get in touch with them. So that'll be fun. Personally, I think uh, Indiana Jones has been the worst franchise ever created. So I guess we'll talk about that too. Um, we'll debate. You're full see. of shit. Am I full of shit? Come on, dude. The new movie, he's like 100 years old. What is he doing? I'm joking. I, I saw the trailer. I I'll give it a try. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. See you guys on the next <laughs> Sega Talk. Bye. Bye.